Hey everyone, and welcome to Unison Christian Church, the podcast. We exist to change our community with the life-changing truth of Jesus, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve as a family built on hope. Our desire is that today's message helps you discover fresh new ways of connecting with God. Now, here is today's message. So, Second uh, Timothy is a letter, much like most of the New Testament is letters. It was written by Paul, and some people would know this immediately, but others don't. Timothy is a pastor of the church of Ephesus. Paul went to Ephesians, or excuse me, he went to Ephesus and started the church and left Timothy in charge and then went to go to other places to start other churches. So the book of Ephesians is written to the church of Ephesus, but both Timothys are written to the pastor there. And he's Paul is encouraging him, but also challenging and also teaching Timothy how to lead. And he says this at the beginning of chapter 3. It's not necessarily like the sermon text, so to speak, but it lays a foundation for what Paul is actually kind of teaching him. He says it in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. Oh, this one is just a slide with uh, Timothy uh, 2, 3. There you go. (laughs) You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasures rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. It's interesting because that last part, if you read that in chapter 3 again, that's verse 5, stay away from people like that. Sometimes it's easy for us to want to interpret that whole description as stay away from people like that. But the the truth is how Paul is laying that out to Timothy, it's actually just that last part. (laughs) Stay away from people who act religious but will reject the power that could make them godly. That's actually the part where he's encouraging, like, yo, you should stay away from people like that. But that whole, from from verse 1 all the way through verse 5, he's describing what it will be like in the quote-unquote end as it relates to human beings interacting with one another. And that involves the church, that involves every religion, that involves humanity, period. Humanity will be puffed up, arrogant. Lovers of themselves scoff at God. Paul is talking about all of humanity at that, but that last part is something that's important. 
They will reject the power. If, like, if you were, like, reading, like, the King James Version, right, like, they'll have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof, that's where that is. Some of you, like, I remember hearing that verse when I was a kid. <laughs> like, that's that part. And to some degree, Paul doesn't just stop there. I wanted to read that because it lays a little bit of a foundation for what we are talking about in the rest of chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 14 says this, But you, talking to Timothy, must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. I want to pause for a second. Timothy may, more than likely, he may have been able to read. More than likely, he was able to read, right? That's okay. But most of the church of Ephesus may not have. I think it's an important thing that we keep in mind. Whenever, like, Paul or any other thing in Scripture is written to a leader or talking about how the, the people of God trust the leaders, it's more than just they trust us and give us good advice, Right? It's more than just a good sermon. It's more than just they help to interpret the Scripture. We have a privilege that they did not. We can read. We can read. So at the end of the day, if you get separated from society and all you have is a Bible, you're still connected to the Word of God in a uniquely, like, kind of, I hate this term, but first world kind of way of being, you can read it. But the people that Paul is encouraging Timothy to lead, many of them would not have that as a luxury. They can't just read the letters. They are dependent not just upon Timothy to interpret the letters or interpret Scripture, but also they trust him because they couldn't read the letters even if they had them. And that's an important piece. So when Paul says that you know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you, it's more than just you can trust the words. You can trust the words and the person who delivered them to you. And that's an important note there. He keeps on going. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. This is a familiar portion. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. A note to remember, when Paul writes this, he's not talking about his letter. It's okay for us to know that. We're humans. Like, this is 2,000 years ago. Oftentimes, people read that and like, how Scripture is going to, like, tell you that it is, <laughs> that it's authoritative? Like, how, like, how am I going to come to you and tell you I'm the boss, right? Like, <laughs> like Scripture is, that's not actually what Paul is saying here. When, when Paul wrote this, it wasn't a part of the Bible, it's important to know that it, beca- it, and it became a part of, part of the Bible, and in many ways, that's part of why it did, to encourage us as future believers that all Scripture, King James Version would say, all Scripture is God-breathed. 
All scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. But before we move, we need to talk about the difference between truth and facts. Because there are a lot of facts that we oftentimes grab a hold to and we treat them like they're truth. And that's not how this actually works. And it's important that we have this as a foundation, especially when we're looking at Scripture. Facts are data points. And they're based upon the information that you have currently. There's a fact that in Scripture, it's like they talk about numbers and even sometimes history and dates and science-y kinds of things. Sometimes some of you are like, oh, wait, where is he going? There are data points in Scripture. But the truth is more than just data points. The truth is wise and rightful interpretation and application of facts. So when, this, when Scripture describes the earth as having four corners, it's kind of not truth in that the fact is true. The point that they're making is all of the earth, right? If you read any portion of Scripture that talks about the four corners, that's not actually pointing out that the earth is a square. But if we, actually, if we, if we start walking around, because the fact is Scripture says that it has four corners, and we believe that the earth is a piece of paper floating in space, well, then we're not latched on to the truth. That's not the truth that Scripture is trying to convey. The, tr- the truth that Scripture is trying to convey is, regardless of where you are on the planet, that's what that means, all of. Scripture actually describes the earth as flat most throughout the Bible, and that's because the fact is, the people who were writing the Bible thought it was. It just is what it is. It's okay for us to know that we have discovered more than they did. We've been hanging out on the earth. We've been here. We haven't been here longer, but we've had more access to human understanding. It's okay for us to know that. That wasn't the point of Scripture. wasn't to tell you a scientific understanding of the planet of earth. The point of Scripture was regardless of what shape it is, God made it. (laughs) That's the truth. Flat, circle, sphere, cube, it doesn't matter. God made it. And so when we talk, we talk about Scripture from this idea of it being God-breathed and authoritative, because really that last portion of chapter, or verse 16 and 17 is talking about it has authority to teach us what is good, to teach us what is right, to help us understand how to move in godly works That authority isn't based upon the facts that are in there, but it is absolutely based upon the truth of Scripture. And the truth that we find in Scripture supersedes all the data points that are there. Does that make sense? That can be challenging for us because for many of us, like, we want to, like, yo, the Bible said that the earth was formed in seven days, and that's what it was. That's really not the point. That's not the point. The point is, regardless of how long it took for this planet to be formed, 
it came out of the authority of God's word. That's the point. That's the point. That's the truth there. Timothy continues, or excuse me, Paul continues in Timothy. And some of us would actually have stopped at verse 17 because that's the end of that chapter. But when Paul wrote this, it didn't have a chapter or verses. He continues, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. That's the advice part. And then he tells them why. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. The reason why I read that first part is because of how connected it is to that last portion. All of those things, people will be lovers of themselves and they'll love money and they will be scoffers and they will reject God and they will X, Y, Z, all the things that Paul was talking about. A part of that is connected also to the fact that that same group of people are not going to actually want to hear sound doctrine. They're not going to care. <laughs> and to make that more personal, there's times where we don't actually care about that. Let's just be real. We don't want sound doctrine sometimes. We want whatever causes our itching ears to be satisfied. And that's okay for us to say out loud. There are some times where I'm reading scripture or there's some times where I'm listening to the Bible and it goes against what I want. And what I really want to do is go online and find somebody who preaches what I want to hear. (laughs) Let's just be real. That tells me what I want to hear. That tells me how to navigate my life in such a way that I still get all the things that I want and I get to participate with the fun stuff in church. Because that feels good. The music is hype. And there's a woman or a man that's going to tell me things that I like, and it's good, and I walk away and I feel great. All the while being scoffers, lovers of themselves, lovers of money. That's kind of, some of you are like, that feels really oddly familiar. <laughs> it should feel oddly familiar. I am never one to try to predict where the timeline of history is as it relates to Christ's return, so that's not what I'm saying when I say the next words. But when Paul talks about the end and it feels oddly familiar, then that should say something to us. (laughs) It feels oddly familiar that even among churches and even among believers, we would want to come week after week and just have my own emotions affirmed, that should feel odd to you. And one of the things that we've seen, oh, especially over the last year, is how incredibly familiar what Paul is describing is for the Church of America 2020. 
So many churches are falling apart, and it has nothing to do with COVID. It has everything to do with the fact that for decades, people have thought they were following Christ because the people that were teaching them were telling them things they wanted to hear. But the moment where the rubber hits the road and Christ actually asks something of them that they don't want to hear, it feels unfamiliar and strange. And mm, that's not Jesus. That's not my Jesus, at least. My Jesus makes me feel good. I don't know who you're talking about. It should feel familiar to us, and it should convict us because it, con it convicts me. It should convict us. As believers, it should convict us. Not that that's how we are, but Holy Spirit, search me. Is there a part of me that only comes here to feel good? <laughs> Paul is encouraging Timothy in the authority of scripture not just because that's what a good pastor would do with another pastor he's encouraging timothy to teach in such a way that the people that are a part of the church of ephesus don't fall into the trap of only wanting to hear what they want to hear but that they also recognize that scripture is designed to make me uncomfortable sometimes. That's actually the, the design. It's to, I'm not saying that it is to condemn me. No, that's not the same thing. If I'm walking with Christ, there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. But all kinds, all day long, conviction. <laughs> all day long, I should feel that correction when I get up to a portion of Scripture that I do not particularly agree with. Uh, last, a couple weeks ago, um, I was, uh, I got to spend some time with some students at Cornerstone University, and one of the students asked me, um, uh, she was actually talking about the fact that she disagreed with the fact that God would use humans to redeem creation. She didn't use those words, but that was the point. <laughs> And she, it, was, it was wild watching her try to articulate that because she didn't want to say anything that was disrespectful. But I kind of paraphrased for her. So, oh, basically what you're saying is that you don't think it's a good idea for human beings to be a part of salvation because we, we are notoriously messy. <laughs> yes. Oh, I agree with you. I actually agree with her. We're messy. We're imperfect. We don't get it right. We say things that are dumb sometimes. We hurt each other's feelings. We step on each other's toes. But for some reason, it's a part of God's plan that we be a part of this. It's his plan that humanity would be a part of the redemption of creation. I disagree with it. But that's not for him to change. That's for me to surrender to. You see all the details, God. I don't. And the truth is actually in every place where that's true in Scripture, you see all the details that I could never see, God. So when you're telling me that I have to reconcile with people that I don't want to reconcile with, you see all the details. 
Okay. So, what does that mean for us? That's uh, three things that I think are important for us as believers. But I don't have influence over all believers. I'm okay knowing that. But here, where we get to have influence with one another, I think there's something that's important for us to be able to affirm together. We are a people who teach the truth of Scripture. Flat out. (laughs) We're a people who teach the truth of Scripture. That's important. We need to know that. About what, and we need to agree with that too. And by teach, it doesn't just mean a person with a degree. We are a people. <laughs> we are a people who teach the truth of Scripture as the Holy Spirit has revealed it. And while the facts of science and history and cultural anthropology may evolve, the truth of Scripture does not. That's actually one of my favorite things about Scripture is that it is applicable in 1482 and it is applicable in 2059. It will be applicable if the Lord tarries for another thousand years. You like how I use the word tarry because that's super old and Christianese. Should the Lord tarry any longer? Regardless, because the Bible is not based upon, its, its truth isn't wrapped up in the facts that are there. The truth is wrapped up in the application of all of it. The truth is wrapped up in wise interpretation of how those facts were applicable then and how they translate now. And that's the truth that we teach. We are a people who live the truth of Scripture. We don't just talk about it. We don't just say it on Sunday and then go live something completely different. We are a people who live the truth of Scripture. It has authority in my life. Even when I disagree. One of the things that uh, Christine and I affirm is especially in marriage, there are times where we disagree. Huh? (laughs) She's like, no, us? Never! Ha! There are times when we disagree. But the, one of the beautiful, like, beautiful elements of Scripture, when it becomes something that you live, is it also becomes the tiebreaker in your life. (laughs) You go to it. When we disagree, it's not to say that we use Scripture to debate with one another, but what is the authority of Scripture? When we actually live out the truth of Scripture, what is it that it comes down to? It becomes the thing that we go to as it relates to even the disagreements in our marriage. I'm not saying that everything that you disagree with in your marriage, if you're married, you're going to be able to find a verse about. That's not the point. That would be looking at facts. The truth. The whole thing. What does the Word of God say about our lives and how we live? And the last thing 
is we are people who will die on the hill of the truth of Scripture. You ever, I'm sure you've heard that saying, are you willing to die on that hill? But I want to make this real clear too. Us being willing to die on the hill of the truth of Scripture is not the same thing as being willing to kill people. Right? That's not the same. That's not the same. And I think sometimes we as believers, we try to settle so staunchly into this idea that I'm willing to die for it, so I often have to be willing to kill for it, and that's actually not the same thing. That's not the same thing. Scripture is not a tool to kill. (laughs) Not just one. I'm not talking just physically. Relationally, there's some of us who like, "Mm, no, my, my kids, you're not living according to the Bible, then our relationship is no longer any good. That is not it. That actually is not Scripture. That's not how we should live. Because Jesus was hanging out with a whole bunch of people who weren't living the Bible. (laughs) So if we are actually going to live it out, that means that I actually go in deeper when I find somebody who isn't living Scripture. And I tell the people who are, I'll see you in a couple weeks. The next three days, I'm focused on this one right here who is really straying away from what God has called humanity to look like. And it doesn't mean I chase after them with the Bible and keep like reading verses behind them as they walk either. It just means that I'm willing to see that there is value in how living out the Bible around people also brings about transformation in their lives because they get to read Scripture from my face. They get to read it in my actions. They get to read it in how I love. They get to read it in how I worship. They get to read it based upon how we live, and that's why we're a people who live the truth of Scripture, not just because the promises that come for it for me, but because there are people who don't have access to the Bible. And that be, that's where I come in. That access isn't, is more than not just being able to download it on an app. Yeah, they can download it on the app. Access, though, is far more, is far further reaching than that. We live in a time, as Paul describes, people will be lovers of themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasures rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And in so, their access to Scripture is limited. Not because they can't get to it, but because they've been deceived by a world that teaches them to look for what makes them feel good. And so they won't even be looking for Scripture. And that's where we come in. That's where we come in and we live it in such a way. And when someone wants me to live opposite of it, 
I'm not so dedicated to changing their mind that I discourage and kill the relationship. But I am so willing and so staunchly dedicated to living it out in my life that there is a clear boundary that's drawn that says, I love you, and I am not willing to go there. Notice I said and, not but. You ever heard someone say, I love you, but? No, I love you, and I'm not willing to go there. Those two things exist at the same time. I love you, and I'm not willing to go there. But here's what you can do. We can still kick it. We can still hang out. And even if that means that the line is here and you're over there and we just walk like this, <laughs> well, I'm good with that. I just, I'm just not willing to go there. That's living more like Jesus than most of us are encouraged to. Most of us have been encouraged to just step as far away from that line as possible. But Jesus really does encourage us to come right up close to it. Don't cross it, but come pretty close to it so that you can actually help them see me. I want you to see this picture. <laughs> Charles knows exactly what that's about. <laughs> He's already chuckling. Living, the, living Scripture and teaching Scripture and living the truth of Scripture like that doesn't make not necessarily make it harder or more easier, like that's not what I'm saying, but it does put us squarely in opposition to the patterns of this world. There is some discomfort that comes along with teaching, living, and dying by the truth of Scripture. And that's not because everyone around you is going to oppress you physically, but because if we are to actually live the Bible, it places us like right in the middle of all the things that are opposite of the patterns of the world because the patterns of the world are in significant opposition to Scripture. To the point where I think it's actually a healthy thing for us as believers to remind one another that I should be growing in contentment in my life. But as it relates to the patterns of the people in the world I see around me, I should actually be more uncomfortable. Not, to, not uncomfortable in terms of I don't want to be around them, but if I find that I'm trying to fit in and I find that I'm trying to find a place of belonging and, and, and places that are not actually living out Scripture, there's a part of me that actually should be uncomfortable with that. Students, people who are in middle school particularly and some high school, you have probably the most challenge as it relates to this. You do. Middle school and high school is a time where we're trying to find our place in, in the world around us in society. We're trying to, and oftentimes we work to fit in. And I'm going to be honest with you. Much of what it means to live according to Scripture, means that you don't actually fit in. And that's a really hard truth to know. 
It's a really hard truth to know. The last uh, maybe six months or so, I have been working on separating the difference between disappointment and discouragement. And so, middle schoolers and high schoolers, when I say that to you, it's okay for you to be disappointed. But know that you don't have to be discouraged by that truth. Because there is great value in living according to Scripture. And every single parent, every single adult in this room can tell you that when we were teenagers, if we look back, there's sometimes I wish I would have lived according to the Bible because of what it, not because of how good it would have felt, but because of what it would have kept me out of. And what it would have allowed me to walk into. And it's really, really hard to be able to think about the future like that. But here's the truth. When you live according to the truth of Scripture, there will also be other people around you who also know the truth of Scripture and are waiting for someone to live it so they can live it too. They're just waiting for someone to live it so they can live it too. And when, even if that means there's just five of y'all living it out together all the way through high school, trust me when I tell you that it will bless your life. It really will. It will keep you from more heartache, but also have you experience more pleasure than what the rest of the world is trying to offer. Adults in the room, that exists for us too. Always say childhood is the rehearsal for adulthood. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a separate time. It's just the rehearsal for it, the preparation for it. We know as we live according to this, that this target, it's not to say that everyone is out to get us. I'm not saying that. But it does highlight us. And that's a good thing. We're meant to be highlighted. That's why Jesus said, let your light so shine that people would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We are people who teach the truth of Scripture. We are people who live the truth of Scripture. And we are people who are willing to die on the hill of the truth of Scripture. And I believe with all of my heart that at any point in life when we live that way, we glorify the Father and our world is blessed. I want to pray and then we'll head out. Come on, tambourine. Thank you. No. <laughs> Father, thank you uh, for your word, which challenges us, but also encourages us. Your scripture isn't just truth that makes me feel uncomfortable. Your scripture is also truth that builds me up and makes me whole. Your truth is, your scripture is truth that builds me up and allows me to function as you design humans. Help us to be a body of believers who are willing to live that out well. 
even when that comes with discomfort. And help us to encourage one another to live it as well. Lord, we trust you. God, we honor you. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and believe others could benefit from hearing about us, please remember to share and subscribe to Unison Christian Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also catch us live at unisongr.com or on Facebook. See you next week.